How long until you could talk about the top secret project? I do not know. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess I'll I'll intro it so we can just have everything above board and on the record. All right. Listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where three friends get together, virtually until otherwise safe to do so, and talk about a horror movie. We will spoil that horror movie. We'll try not to spoil the recently watched, or in Jolien's case, maybe (laughs) recent is more of a relative term. Uh, He said he got some time to watch the stuff. Yeah, you know, and you can watch stuff while you work on stuff sometimes. No, I can't. No, not really. Uh, We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Uh, find their music on Apple Music or Amazon, where you could buy it digitally. <clears throat> Say hello to them on Facebook. Where are they? Are the Moon Dash Rays? I know uh, Mike Mignola and uh, Dan Brereton post about movies they're watching while they're working. Oh, and they do look like this great, great artwork. And how, how do you do that? I don't know how people do that. Are they? Are they? Are they like one of those fish where the eyes look two different directions? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. All right. So we do. Oh, yes. The coloring book. Should we uh, throw that out there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think, I think we're a few books past break even. So listeners, your fair money, host. Money, <laughs> Yes, we want your money. <laughs> uh, we've, ne- we've now earned as much money as the movie costs. Yeah, mm. probably about correct. Uh, we made a. Plan 9 from Outer Space Coloring Book. Yes, your three fair hosts got together, drew lots of pictures, sent it to the printers, and it's gorgeous. The paper's nice and substantial for coloring, even probably with some felt pens if you wanted to. Haven't tried that yet, to be honest. Uh, you can go to plan9coloringbook.com. That's plan, the number 9, coloringbook.com. And it'll click through to buy the thing if you want to. And if you do, I'll send you stuff. In addition to your coloring book or books. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what, but I've so far made good on that. It's got an intro by uh, Dana Gould. Yes! Uh, and he's uh, he's now advertising this year's uh, Plan Knife Mountain Space read-through. Oh. Every year. I think last year is in New York. don't know where he's doing it now. And he's playing Criswell. Yes. Yeah. And you drew him as Dana Gouldwell. As, as Gouldwell. Yes. <laughs> Oh, guys, I'm going to show you this, although it makes no difference to recording. I got a new Plan 9 model kit for the for the Ooh. Flying Saucer. Uh, I found one that was about 24 bucks on uh, eBay with free shipping. And, of course, it is specifically a Plan 9 
uh, flying saucer model kit, but it's identical in every way to the one that I have from the fifties, which was the same thing that Ed Wood used in the movie. So you can find that thing still. Does it come doused in gasoline? <laughs> no, you have to provide your own gasoline. Yeah. It should, should come with a, like a replica of the front page. Yeah. Oh, that's a good like idea. Hollywood. Yeah, they, they put the poster art on the box, and I think that's about what they felt was oh. fair to do. Can I show a couple of things that came out? Yes. Uh, yeah. While I've been working. So, like the, uh, I did a cover for a John Carpenter book, and that's now available worldwide. Um, so that's uh, yeah, it's written by Troy Howarth and a whole bunch of other uh, contributors have done essays. Uh, I haven't got my copy yet, but I'm hoping to get a certain signature on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the what? Gamera box set came out. Nice. Excellent. Uh, look at the size of this thing. Yeah. So uh, this has got all the movies, uh, all the comics that came out in America, and then uh, a whole bunch of articles and interviews. Uh, in Damn. And a whole bunch of uh, uh, anat- those anatomical pictures I did. Awesome. Damn, nice. They're in full color. That's nice. Yeah, they, uh, they're really happy about this set because um, they're expecting to break even on it and like hopefully sell a lot of them by Christmas. But by the end of the month, this was gone. Awesome. Yeah, this limited edition, it, it sold out. So now it's like, uh, last time I checked, it's selling for three times you know, the initial price. Wow. So question, uh, one question about it. Do you keep it by the door in case there's a burglar? You can hit them with it. <laughs> no, <laughs> burglars can come in and steal everything else. I'll, I'll hide this away. Okay. Uh, I've got it on the shelf next, next to this, actually. This is uh, this came out last week. Uh, you know, Dan Brereton did the Giant Killer uh, series, oh, which that's... is like a, his his character he came up with. Yeah, that's, wow. so the, uh, that's huge. Yeah, this is uh, the Giant Killer art book. So oh, okay. he, he wanted his comics to be printed large. Uh, so that's all the comics, uh, all his sketches, uh, concept designs, and then um, a whole bunch of uh, art by people he invited to do stuff for the book, including uh, there's three things I did for it. Um, yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so that, that just came out last week. Yeah, it's it's a gorgeous print job. Yeah, it's beautiful. Does he paint uh, practically or digitally? Uh, practically. Good, because it looks like it. <laughs> it's all gouache and watercolor, and yeah, I've got one of his pages. Oh man, that's great. Sent to me. Yes. Wow. So that, that was good. And then a couple of the UFO books came out um, recently as well. Oh, the John yeah, LeMay series. The Old West UFO stories. Yeah, there's one that I want. I'm, I'm going to give you one. I've I, I got a copy for you. Uh, it's the uh, UFOs of the Old West. So I think there's three books in this series, and I did the cover for the third one. Oh, cool. Uh, and then I did a cover for um, one called uh, one. Another one is about uh, encounters with dinosaurs in the Old West. Um, so I did the cover for the one that's uh, the uh, Deep South special. <laughs> so right. dinosaurs and dinosauroids in the swamp. Yeah. 
There's been a lot of sightings of pterodactyls, and I, I would like to see what a guy with a six-shooter would do if he was confronted with one. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, there's, uh, there's one of those stories in the uh, in the Old West UFOs books. They, they A uh, couple of uh, guys out in the range, they shoot down a, a pterodactyl, and, uh, um, and they, they, of course, they go back to town to tell, tell everyone, and when they get back, it's gone. But, um, uh. Yeah. I've seen pictures of such things, but I do believe they're fakes. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a photo of um, it's got about that story where uh, uh, there is a fake photo where they've got a group of people and they're like displaying this huge, uh, you know, pterodactyls type thing. Yeah. Wow. So recently watched. Do you want to start it off? Uh, does that make uh, Does it make oh, sense? Yeah, you, you go ahead. Uh, I've got a bunch. Okay. Um, I'll start it off because mine will be easy. In the last uh, week, we've been going gangbusters because we know it's going to be a beat the weather situation to get the outdoor kitchen ready to pour the countertops. We're doing concrete countertops. We're at that point where all we have to do is close up the corners, put the mesh in it, and start mixing and pouring. Uh, That was a lot. To give you an Better idea. check where all your little dogs are before you you really pour it in. Yeah, don't yeah don't mi- yeah. don't mix them in. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be really cool when it's done. Which I think I think the the day that we work on that's gonna be to to finish it up is gonna be Wednesday. Uh, that being said, I try to admit when I'm wrong and do something that um, you know give something a chance. You know I swore off The Walking Dead once and for all. I had it with their bad... Their, oh, no. Their bad you writing. Have, <laughs> you've fallen off The Walking Dead wagon? Yeah, I fell, I fell off of their wagon they stole from the museum. And uh, I found out that um, that fellow podcasters, uh, Jim and Aaron, got back on with, um, with their Walking Dead podcast. And I thought, how and why would that ever happen? They left it before I did for the same reasons I did. So... They found out that the new showrunner for season nine was Angela Kang, and she's doing an excellent job. Uh, the writing had improved. You still have a lot of bench warmer, you know, second string characters, but the characters who are doing the heavy lifting are doing a good job. The actors are doing a good job. I thought, you know what? I'm going to listen to a couple episodes because I think I noped out three or four episodes into the season. So I listened to them go retroactively podcast on it, and they kind of pinpointed when they thought it was turning around uh, and decided to jump back in and do it again. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try to be a bigger person about this and and give it another chance, and uh, I like it better than I did when I left it. So I made it through season nine, I think I had six or seven episodes to go, or 10 episodes. I don't know what it was, but then I, the next day would listen to them podcast about it while I was working and it was, it was kind of cool. So I, I got through that. The season 10 is available on amc.com, but it's, uh, riddled with commercials, some of which are from politicians and I can't stand it. So I might just wait to watch season 10 and see if it continues to kind of be better than it had been when I left it. So there's, a, there's a, another spin-off now, isn't there? I understand. Yeah. Children. 
Yeah, I understand there is. They should Zombie stop. Zombie children? I wish. They should stop it already. Just stop the spinoffs. But anyway, uh, and then we've been watching that new series, The Boys. Uh, it's about yeah. the, the superheroes who are terrible. They're just mm-hmm. awful people. Yeah, I read some of the comics. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's much better than the comic. Is it? Okay. I haven't read the comic. Yeah, I found the comic kind of edgelordy. Yeah. Sort of needlessly provocative, perhaps. I mean, that's Garth Ennis' kind of thing. Um, I think the show is, if anything, a little more mature. And um, saying a little more than, than the comic did. Well, that's good. I didn't read very many of the comics. I read, like, the first couple issues. Yeah, I felt the same way as you did. As like, yeah. yeah, it just didn't grab me. It felt like uh, this is this is like if a fourteen-year-old boy made a comic about sex and and violence. <laughs> so it's awesome, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, not quite. I mean, sometimes that works. <laughs> right. I didn't find it so much in the comic, <clears throat> The Boys, but uh, I I love the show. Well, that's. Do you still watch uh, Star Trek? Yep, still watching Star Trek. Well, take it from there, Will, because uh, I think that's all I watched. Are you done? Uh, yeah, other than uh, Noroi the Curse, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we're still uh, trekking through the track. I'm on season five, somewhere in the middle. Um, let's see what else I watched. The rest of season two, the first half of Pen15, um, same assessment as last week. Pretty good. Maybe not as good as the first season. Um, I think maybe the characters, even though it's only been a few days in their universe, it's, uh, they're a little more mature, <laughs> if that's possible. Uh uh, let's see, what else did I watch? Uh, I watched The Boys, all of first six episodes of season two. Um, and I think that's it. Can, can either of you watch uh, Lovecraft Country? Yes, uh, we, we've been watching it. I've not watched recently. I'm, I'm only up to season or episode three. We did watch, I did watch a movie. I watched Yesterday, which is a uh, Danny Boyle film. The Beatles. Yeah. It was, it was what I feared. It was too slight for a movie. So they put a romance in there, but I don't think they quite handled it right. uh, In that they sort of glossed over it at the beginning and then tried to bring it in about halfway through. And it didn't feel it didn't feel organic. It didn't feel like like uh, the premise is basically this guy hits his head. He's he's riding his bike home. There's a big worldwide blackout for a minute. He gets hit by a bus and hits his head, and he wakes up and there's no beetle. Um. Well, it goes along. He he starts writing Beatles songs, and everybody loves them. Um. 
and then you find out at some point that his uh, manager was in love with him, and she's kind of fallen for him more because he's been writing these Beatles songs and shows that he has a real sensitive side, even though he doesn't. He doesn't have that side at all. So I just felt like maybe they could have they could have pressed on her uh, liking him a little sooner. If they had shown that, I think, a little sooner, it wouldn't have felt kind of out of left field when it did come up. Um, otherwise, it's a fine film. It had some good jokes. Oasis doesn't exist because the Beatles never exist. <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> it's probably the best joke in the thing. And, uh, you know, there's another, there's something else that doesn't exist in his world that he finds out at the end that's kind of funny, too. But The monkeys. Uh, yeah. What? The monkeys. The monkeys, yes. No, the Rolling Stones still exist, though. Well, yeah, they would. Um, this sounds like it would be a good Twilight Zone or Black Mirror episode if it had a, a like, for, for the... If it was dark, it would be a, it could work on either one of those. Yeah. But it's, it's a light, you know, uh, fluffy thing. It's it's uh it's a whipped cream movie. It's not you know it's not a real thing. Uh, Danny Boyle makes an enjoyable film. There's nothing wrong with it, and you get to hear Beatles songs. So and the guy who performs is pretty good at it. Um, you know, so yeah, take it or leave it. <laughs> sure. So uh, I think that does it for me. I just remembered I did watch a couple of cartoons. I, I rewatched a couple of Rick and Morty's. And then uh, I, I remember hearing that Gravity Falls was good. So I watched the first one of Gravity Falls. And uh, I'm not 100% sold on it, but it's kind of quirky enough and weird enough. I think I will maybe see it through. Hmm. So right. you never know. Just, you know, cartoons. Yeah. They're, they're, they're for grownups, as you know. Yeah, we we watched an anime last night. Um, there's a, a director named uh, Makoto Shinkai. Uh, he, he makes like beautiful looking anime. Uh, uh, one we watched last night was uh, Your Name. Hmm. I think they're doing a live action remake in America because you know uh, we can't watch a cartoon <laughs> or a foreign cartoon. Yeah, we can watch Spirited Away, but that's it. Stop right there. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, this one's, uh, yeah, this one's got a kind of Twilight Zone premise. We've got, a there's a boy in Tokyo and there's a girl in, uh, uh, some beautiful, idyllic, uh, little, uh, coastal town and, uh, they're linked somehow and then they, they work out how to start communicating, but then there's this huge twist and it, it, it gets really tragic <laughs> for a bit. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's uh, stuff in space going on. It's not a, it's not a monster show. It's, uh, you know, there's cosmic events going on. But, uh, it's, uh, it's gorgeous, gorgeous anime. Um, anyway, that's what we watched last night. Should I do some others? Yeah, uh -huh. go on. So I, I've been working... I just get up, work, fall asleep. I haven't watched any movies for since we last met uh, until Man. like a couple of days ago, and I just binged 
uh, catching up. Um, so I watched, uh, let's see, uh, I watched Color Out of Space. All right. The, the one you, you did a podcast on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it looked great. Uh, it was really nice to see a good looking, stylish horror. Um, you know, Lotton just said all for this kind of bland look. Yeah. These days, but um, yeah, I thought it was um, really good looking. Uh, it has the usual Richard Stanley sort of ensemble cast. Uh, I think he doesn't focus on any one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember when uh, I reviewed the um, when the premiere of uh, Dust Devil. I sort of complained about it because I, I wanted to focus on one of just one character. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's just not his thing. Um, uh, so even the narrator of the stories, he's like uh, he disappears for quite a length of time. Uh, I kind of wished it wasn't Nicolas Cage because you're just waiting for him to cage out. Yeah, he busts uh, out of the cage know, in style, doesn't he? Yeah, you know everyone's get everyone and everything is going to get warped by the color, and uh, uh, so uh, yeah, it's no surprise when he wakes out. It's like yeah, he's like that all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like the theme of um, the family, uh, where you're, you can't escape your family. Um, like they have a legacy of uh, rage. They have a legacy of um, uh, uh, you know, people don't want to turn into their parents. Um, uh, there's a history of cancer in the family. Uh, and it's all inescapable. I thought that was interesting. Uh, but it didn't get in the way of all the you know, the cosmic horror stuff. Um, so I thought, yeah, it's my favorite Richard Stanley film. Um, so I wanted to see it really high def. So I bought a copy. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. As soon as, as soon as I finished watching it on Shudder, I bought a copy. Um, all right. Um, watched a Hikmet Avedis double bill, uh, the fifth floor from 1978. You heard of that one? No, I don't think so. Uh, this one's got Diane Hall as a disco dancer named Kelly McIntyre, and she wakes up in the psychiatric ward of Cedar Springs Hospital, where she gets tormented by uh, an orderly named Carl. Uh, and this has got a great cast, but it's such a mere movie. Um, got Bo Hopkins as Carl, <laughs> and Patty Brooks is a disco singer. Uh, Robert England. Anthony James, Julie Adams, Mel Ferrer, Michael Berryman. Wow. Wow. Uh, the uh, director of photography was Daniel Pearl, who did Texas Chainsaw, etc. Uh, the music's by Alan Silvestri, who went on to like uh, Avengers Endgame, etc. Yeah. So it's got these really big names associated with it, but it's not a good movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I like all the disco bits. Uh, that that was fun to see, but uh, and Michael Berryman's just this guy. Like he's one of the uh, patients, and he's you know you just see in the background playing volleyball, etc. Um, but anyway, uh, so the other film I, I saw by the same director. Uh, he's known as he's. I think his actual name is Hikmet, but he goes by Howard sometimes. Um, so he did this 1981 movie called uh, Mortuary, and you you probably see the poster for this. It's like this 
gravestone and this hand coming out of the grave. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is about a cult at a mortuary, which is led by uh, Linda Day and Christopher George. And uh, uh, one of the cult kills people with an embalming needle. Um, I think it's called a trocar. Yeah. You know, one that a mm-hmm. stick in and suck stuff out with. Uh, and he also steals a purple passion wagon, as is uh, one of those purple Econoline van things, isn't it? Uh, there's yeah. a rugby disco scene um, where you can play spot the bad guy, the black guy. Uh, he's the only black guy in the whole movie. <laughs> he's uh, like, where's Waldo? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's easy to spot because he's wearing a silver spangly uh, top hat and tails. Oh, okay. His, his disco roller moves in the middle of the floor. Oh, yeah, uh, I know that. <laughs> there's young Bill Paxton. Uh, he plays a student and assistant mortician named Paul Andrews. And uh, he likes Mozart, so right away you know he's, he's, he's up to no good. If anyone in a movie likes classical music. They're evil. Oh, yeah. Uh, Just Mary like Mac- real life. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the actual uh, lead character is uh, Christy Parson. She's played by Mary McDonough, who is in The Waltons. Um. If you want to see a cast member from the Waltons naked, then this is the movie for you. Um, <laughs> she, drives a, she drives a car with uh, custom plates which say Par D2. Hmm. And she also goes to bed in full makeup. Um, so she gets uh, gaslit, but you know she's not crazy right from the start because you already know there's a cult um, out to get her. Um, so there's not much tension to it, but you get lots of lame jump scares and... Uh, Lots of dialogue. There's like, there's whole sections of this movie where I was like, uh, people were talking and talking. I was like, is anything actually happening? No. <laughs> um, uh, uh, big scares like uh, sometimes disco music comes on and off, uh, lights go on and off. Uh, uh, the killer has heavy breathing when he's in his uh, point of view shots, but he doesn't otherwise. Hmm. Uh, very light on the kills. Um, there's two right at the start, and then there's a whole hour before the next one. Um, there's something going on about daddy issues, like the killer and the uh, the heroine both have daddy issues going on. And uh, her boyfriend looks a lot like her murdered father, and she's been celibate ever since his death. Hmm. I don't know what's going on with that. Right. Uh, at the end, there's a corpse party, you know, like uh, slashes at the time, they Sometimes the killer would set up a whole bunch of his victims as if they're having a party. Yeah. Um, like a bloody birthday, etc. Uh, so there's one of those, if you like those. Yeah. And, and there's one of those random shocks to end everything with. Um, so I, I, I quite enjoyed that one. It's, it's well shot. Uh, it looks good. Um, I watched uh, Tammy and the T-Rex from 1994. They put up the, uh, the ah. uncut version on uh, Shudder. Because, you know, this, when this originally came out in America, at least, uh, they cut out all the gore. Uh, I think it played in Europe intact, but here they cut it all out and it was a PG release. Um, but they've, they've restored it. And um, I think Vinegar Syndrome put it out. And it, I think it's still on Shudder. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, so this is directed by Stuart Raffle. who did Ice Pirates. Um, this was shot in two weeks when he had access to an animatronic T-Rex. 
Um, <laughs> someone said, like, I've got this animatronic T-Rex. Two weeks is going off to this park in Texas. Can you do anything with it? Okay. So two weeks later, you have this movie. Well, all uh, right. So the plot is about, you know, Paul Walker from the Fast and Furious series? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he uh, his brain gets transplanted into this animatronic Tyrannosaurus Rex and goes seeking vengeance on the uh, people who knocked him off. Oh, um, okay. Uh, but the, the real star of it is Denise Richards. Uh, she's really good in it. She's a, she, she really plays it kind of straight. Um, and it ends with the, the climax of the movie is her doing a, a strip tease for Paul Walker's brain in a fish tank. Oh, yeah, that's uh, great. <laughs> Uh, so the goal is done by John uh, Buchler. Um So it's that it's that classic, uh, you know, back when um, uh, it seems the human body is like a piñata, you, you just need to tap it and they just explode and stuff falls out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, your your friend Buck Flower plays a homophobic cop. Uh, it's very broad, campy comedy. Like uh, I don't I don't find it very funny, but. Um, She's good. It's it's very ridiculous. Um, so I'm glad glad I saw the uncut one. Um, yeah. And I saw a, a Lucky McKee movie called uh, All Cheerleaders Die. Yes, I know that one. Yeah, have you seen that one? Yeah, I liked it. Did you like it? Yeah, it is quite fun. Uh, it's this kind of mashup of Monkey's Paw and the Craft. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's all there is. Uh, it's got so. Me- it, it's often really incoherent storytelling. You can't quite tell what's happening by the way it's put, you know, the way it's shot. Um, but it's, it's really nutty. I, I liked how nutty it was. Yeah. Uh, shamelessly nutty. Uh, I didn't care about the characters, though. No one seemed like an actual human being. No. And it had magic, <laughs> magic stones to explain everything away. Right. <laughs> Which is brilliant. You just have that little uh, mechanism for whatever you need. Yeah, these little infinity stones. Yeah. Um, and I watched a couple of uh, Korean movies, uh, one called Monstrum uh, from 2018. Uh, it's directed by uh, Hyo Jong-ho. Um, this is uh, about early 16th century massacres are being covered up by stories of plague and a monster. Um, but if you've seen any of the publicity materials for this movie, then you know what, is, what the case actually is. Um there's some early comedy, which is kind of spoiled by uh, comedy music on top of it. But later they don't do that, and it's, it gets actually funny later on. Um, but it's a good cast, and there's lots of gruesome scenes in it to keep you going. And then about half an hour into it, you, uh, it gets uh, the heroes go on a mission up in the mountains to track this monster. And they've got a whole bunch of villagers who have been conscripted into helping them. But then there's this army that's sent to uh, supposedly help them. But the army is actually sent there to wipe everybody out um, and blame it on the monster and, and thus get rid of all the rebels. So, uh, you know, that's a good situation. Um, and then somewhere in the second half, you have this, uh, uh, the country is literally on fire. Uh, it's torn apart by fear-mongering politicians and a plague-ridden population is confined in their homes. Is this called 2020? 
No, it's, it's a fantasy about a time long ago. Oh, okay. Oh, it would never happen now. No. Uh, but there's a great payoff. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot like the uh, Daimajin films in the 60s. Uh, uh, so uh, all the bad guys we want to see get smushed, get smushed. Uh, it's got too many endings uh, right at the end, but uh, it's, it, you know, the actual proper climax is good. Uh, and then I saw a, a found footage film called uh, Gonjam, uh, the Asylum. Hmm. Um, this is uh, this is also from 2018. Uh, this was huge uh, release in Korea. Uh, this is directed by uh, Jung Bum Chik. Um, it's about web horror, horror team, and uh, they break into this asylum, which is an actual place. Um, and uh, most of the team are unaware that some of the team have rigged up these scares uh, to get reactions out of them. Oh, cool. But then, things, you know, after a while, they realize things have gotten real. Um, and the, the characters are pretty likable. It's enjoyable. But the a lot of the gags and the climax are really familiar. Uh, you know, you have people being dragged into the dark and uh, uh, someone has their back turned to you and you have to slowly got behind them and turn them around and uh there's the ball bouncing out of nowhere you know etc etc yeah uh, but that was that was a huge uh korean film from a couple of years ago uh but anyway that's all the horror films i saw wow uh, apart from, uh, i watched a few japanese ones by the same director as uh, Nuroi. oh cool yeah that but was... we can talk about those later yeah no um because you brought up Richard Stanley earlier, talking about Color Out of Space, uh, this probably goes back about three or more episodes where I think I said that the documentary was called Hearts of Darkness, which is the one about Apocalypse Now. <laughs> it's called Lost Soul. Yes. And I... Yeah. I, I knew it as soon as I turned the recording unit off that, oh, I said the wrong <laughs> movie! But, uh, and the reason I bring it up now isn't just as a correction, but to say that if you do want to see something really crazy, <laughs> oh my God, the Island of Dr. Moreau from 1970, not, not 1977. Um, the Richard Stanley one was 96, 96. Um, and I'm looking to see what year the, uh, lost soul movie was. Nine, yeah, it's about the uh, 2014. So it's called The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. So if you just look up Lost Soul and it's from 2014, it's this movie. It's so worth a watch because it's crazy. Yeah. You, you find. He's a really nice guy. I met him when, uh, uh, at the, when he showed um, uh, Dust Devil at the Scala. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, it was really nice. He invited me to go and see the, uh, this. Uh, there was a preview showing of uh, Alien Three. Um, Alien uh, Cubed. No, it's yeah, Alien Cubed. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, he sounds really cool. When uh, like some people are like, "Oh, he's nuts, he's crazy," but then I've heard him interviewed on a couple of podcasts, and he sounds perfectly sane he's and just, reasonable. He's really smart. Does his own thing. That's that's what makes him crazy. Yeah. <laughs> which is fine by me. I think that's pretty cool. There's something funny about, uh, just to give you a little preview of the kind of stuff uh, 
they tell you in that documentary is like Marlon Brando didn't want to memorize his lines. He was just not feeling it. He didn't care about this movie at all. No, he wanted to sabotage it. Oh yeah. And he was leading Feruza Balk, who was quite young at the time, astray, basically telling <laughs> them all like, he's telling her, you know, they're all going to do what you want and you, they can't make you do anything. So just, you know. Yeah. So she got kind of blackballed. Yeah. For a while. And, uh, Apparently he was wearing this earpiece and getting radio signals telling him like someone telling him what his lines were and he was getting police scanner interference with it. So he starts talking about robberies and stuff in, in the middle of his lines. So that was kind of funny, but it's, it's so, it's so worth a watch because yeah, it's, it's crazy. But, uh, so we, we, to welcome you back, we had you pick the movie, and you picked Noroi the Curse, which is uh, yes. streaming on Shudder. And this was everything I would like other found footage movies to be uh, in, yeah. a, in a lot of ways. It, it, tell me if I'm wrong. There, maybe it's because it's overcast in a lot of the movies, and maybe it's because it's in another language in another culture, but it felt more authentic than most found footage movies. I, yeah. I'm stabbing at why it felt more authentic, but did you guys agree? It's, it's kind of a, it does have those found footage bits in it, but it's, uh, and it, it literally is found footage. You're, you're watching this video that's been found. Right. Or you, you watch actually two videos that have been found. But what the videos are, are uh, documentaries. So this is, also a mockumentary yes. movie because you're actually watching actual documentaries and they're shot by professional documentary makers. So you're not, you don't feel ill watching it. It's yeah. probably edited. Uh, you've got graphics, you've got, it's uh, cut into different, you know, clips from TV shows and that. Um, so it's all mounted as a, as an actual document of things that happened. Yeah, that definitely helps. Yeah. For sure. But even the parts where they just grab the handheld at the end, we do get some Blair Witch motion sickness run through the jungle kind of a vibe at the end. Uh, I should say run through the forest. Uh, but that was that was really uh, the only bit that I kind of felt got the, the jittery thing and the crazy thing going on was really that yeah, last. Yeah. And then the the culminating final scene. But uh, had you heard about this before or did you choose it at random? Uh, no, I, I'd heard it was good, but it was, it was hard to see, uh, for a long time. Uh, it would pop up on YouTube sometimes and then get taken down. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, the company that released this went bankrupt, so it didn't get a proper release even in Japan. And, uh, actually both the companies that picked it up went bankrupt. Oh, wow. So, wow. uh, it's not gotten a proper release, and uh, so yeah, you're lucky now that it's it's actually streaming. That was the real As curse. It, it kind of makes it uh, a little bit more authentic. You know, this is something that's turned up that uh, you've come across, and uh, you know, yeah, it gives it a bit more edge. Yeah. Shall I give a rundown for people who've not seen it yet? Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you yeah, could, if you want to outline the plot, kind of give it a little summary. Okay, so the synopsis is, uh, we're introduced to uh, Masafumi Kobayashi, who's been investigating the supernatural for 10 years. 
and he's just completed a film called Neroi, which means curse. Uh, and then he, he, his house burned down. Uh, his wife Keiko's remains were found in the wreckage and he has disappeared. Then we watch Neroi, the documentary he's just finished. Um, uh, in Neroi, uh, Kobayashi visits a woman who reports the cries of several babies coming from a neighbor's house. Uh, we see clips from variety shows. Uh, we don't know how anything links up at this point. Uh, we meet a couple of psychics. One's a little girl named uh, Kaneyano, and uh, then there's this crazy tinfoil guy. Uh, he's literally, he covers himself with uh, aluminium foil uh, named uh, Mitsuo Hori. And uh, we also meet an actor named uh, uh, Marika Matsumoto, who uh, freaks out during a TV show at a temple. Um, and then people that Kobayashi has been meeting through this documentary start to disappear. And uh, their disappearances are often marked by four dead pigeons at the scene and or uh, some strange knots. And uh, eventually the trail leads to a flooded village where rituals to appease a demon named uh, Kagutaba were once performed. And once the documentary is over, the publisher's office receives uh, a camera apparently sent from Kobayashi uh, and inside is a tape recording his, the final minutes of his family. Um, at this point, since his documentary seemed to be part of a ritual just spreading the evil, uh, we should do a little ritual to protect ourselves and the listeners. Yes. So uh, what you should do is uh, one bow, four claps, one bow. Okay, I think we're good. All right. I don't have a sickle to cut to cut the rope with, though. Nah, I'll take care of that. You could really hear the delay with the clapping, though. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think this is uh, the the script for this is the really strong thing. Um, uh, it, it's really intricately worked out, and uh, especially in the first half hour, you. Were, you don't know how things are connected, but you start to see patterns and yeah, people turning up and you start to form a story in your head. Uh, it, then it gets more specific. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the uh, best part for me is uh, you, it's something eerie going on. It's getting under your skin. You don't know what's going on. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I thought this is a really good example. Um, like uh, in Japan, they've been doing this kind of thing for a long time, you know, before the ring. Uh, if you, you, I remember going in video stores like uh, 30 years ago. And in the horror section, you'd have loads of these uh, uh, compilation tapes of horror stories. And uh, uh, some of them would be direct-to-video and some of them would be off these uh, late-night TV shows Uh and they'd often have something, uh, some recording device would have picked up a ghost and then transmitted it through someone else. Oh. Listening to it or watching it. Uh, and then, uh, so there, there's this uh, comedian named Tamori who's, who's on everything. He's still going. Um, he, he was like Pete Takeshi. He'd, he'd be on all these different shows, uh, lots of comedy shows and variety shows. And, uh, there's one instance where uh, uh, 
uh, I think, yeah, back in 1993, uh, he, he had this show called Tales of the Unusual. And uh, there was this haunted C- CD incident where um, someone reported that there was, there's this popular band called Bees. And they did this album called Risky. And on some of these CDs, there'd be this really eerie track turned up on the CD, which was not done by them. Uh, but people were hearing the strange stuff turn up in this pop CD. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so they, they've been doing this for a long time. And, they, and, you know, obviously, like in this case, they've gotten really good at doing this sort of uh, uh, where you're, uh, uh, I guess it goes back to, um, you know, like the 100 ghost stories ritual, the Takemonogatari ritual, where people gather together and they tell a hundred ghost stories. Each time someone tells a story, they blow out a candle. And then eventually you've blown out all the candles. And at that point in the night, a, a ghost actually appears. Oh, cool. So this, uh, you know, this idea of uh, telling a story which, in the course of which you summon up a ghost is, uh, is quite an old one in Japan. I like it. So when... Uh so when you go into this movie initially, like you said, there's a lot of different pieces and, uh, they start to sort of come together a little here and a little there till the whole thing becomes a more coherent story. Uh, the one thing I think that would have really creeped me out, um, even more than some of the stuff we got was if, um, oh, what was his name? Mr. Hori. Uh, yeah. He was so like freaked out the whole time with his, it looked like he had like a bucket hat with a tinfoil wrapped around it. At first I thought it was a hard hat, but it was a, like a bucket hat. Yeah, it's kind of some kind of fisherman's hat. Yeah. And he's just wrapped in foil the whole time. And uh, if he had suddenly gone from just crazy, just gibber, gibber jabber and incoherent uh, eyes darting around, if he had suddenly become very composed that would have really been creepy for me. I was yeah. kind of waiting for that moment, to be honest with you. Like he's going to, he's going to break that character and go into something a lot more sinister for a moment, but he does something even bigger toward the end of the movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> bigger than that. Uh, it, yeah. Like you said, documentary uh, style was kind of throughout this movie and that really definitely gave us the look and the feel of, of found footage that's made by actual filmmakers, not supposed kids with cameras and people who can't act. These are, from best I could tell, experienced actors. Uh, um, Marika Matsumoto looked familiar, so I looked her up, and she's a Japanese actress who's playing herself, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Almost all the women in this movie, like, uh, not not... Uh, not Junko, the, the crazy lady, but right. most of them in this movie are actually playing themselves. Yeah. And uh, this this actor uh, was uh, also known as Mini Stop Chan because she was the mascot uh, for the Mini Stop convenience store chain in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, she's playing herself. And then a couple of them... Uh, uh, Maria Takagi, uh, she played one of the, uh, she plays the, 
the young woman who goes into uh, Horry's house. Okay. See the show, and she's she's wearing all this white outfit. Yeah. Uh, so she's uh, uh, she was a star of uh, adult video uh, stuff, uh, and then she did uh, a movie called Ghost Shout, and then she did this one. Okay. So this is a second post porn career movie. Um, and she she went on to do Tokyo Zombie, and she did uh, Juon Black Ghost. Oh, one of the many Juon movies. One of the many sequels. Yeah, uh, and then uh, one of the one of the people you see on one of the variety shows is uh, Ai Ijima, and she was also a adult video star. Uh, you know, it's really common for Japanese variety shows. Uh, the women are often from the adult video world. Yeah. <laughs> they, either they're retired from it or they're still playing in it. But if this, if this were Italy, then it would be uh, all the members of... Cicilina. All, all the members of Parliament would be uh, Berlusconi's showgirls from his TV shows. <laughs> all, the, all the judges and all the Parliament members. That's, that story is bananas for anyone who doesn't know about Berlusconi. Holy wow, what a nut. But, and and Cicilina was a porn star, wasn't she? And she went into politics. Yeah. There's <laughs> so much going on there. Anyway, uh, so so the uh, the cast has actual actors, which always helps. And, yeah. And a, and a uh, at first disjointed, but eventually coherent storyline. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think the storyline is what really made this movie. Yeah, I watched. Uh, I checked out some of the other movies by the same director, and uh, none of them come up to this. Uh, ah. So I think this this really came together. Um, like even the movies which have the same scriptwriter, um, uh, Naoki Yokota, uh, weren't weren't as good as this one. Um, so he's he's done a few uh, found footage movies, and he's done a few movies which are based off Japanese uh, urban legends. Um, so he did one called uh, Slip Mouth to Woman. Have you heard of that one? No. Uh, that's uh, uh, it's the uh, Kuchisaki Ona, which means Slip Mouth to Woman. Um, so she's, um, uh, the story with her is uh, she's a woman who's wearing a surgical mask and she's carrying the longest pair of scissors you've ever seen. And uh, she'll come up to people at night and she'll say, am I pretty? And then if you say uh, no, she'll just kill you with the scissors. If you say yes, uh, she'll take off her surgical mask and she's her mouth is cut from ear to ear. Uh, what they call a Glasgow smile. Yep. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you, and then she'll ask again, do you think I'm pretty? And if you say yes again, then she might kill you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's various uh there's there's a uh, different variations because you know it's an urban legend so, sure uh depends on where you are where you hear the story um uh in, in the movie she kidnaps children as well uh and he did another he did two movies based on the techie techie urban legend have you heard of that one no what's no. this uh techie techie is um uh you hear you're on a overpass late at night and you hear this uh, sound of pattering, which is techie techie. Uh, if you look around, then you see this uh, 
half a woman. It's just the top half of a woman running along on her feet. And she goes really fast and uh, flashes by you and cuts you in half. Um, wow. <laughs> so he did a couple of movies about her as well. Um, then he did, uh, he did another one similar to this called uh, A Cult, where there's this knife attack at a resort site. And uh, one of the survivors is injured, but you uh, realize that he's actually been marked. And uh, he, he's, he's the next uh, and it gets it gets a bit Lovecraftian from there. Uh, it's got some good dreadful scenes, but then it really drops the ball in the final. The very last thing you see in the movie is is just so bad. <laughs> uh, and then it did this movie called uh, Grotesque uh, in two thousand nine, which is like a straight up torture film. Uh, yeah, I couldn't watch this one. No. It's just like, Why am I watching this one? <laughs> yeah, I, I stopped. I just stopped that after a quarter of an hour. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So this is this one really came off. Um, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't done anything as good as this, as far as I've seen. Yeah, I they... think my only problem with this movie was the uh, the couple times you saw the ghost baby. I think if they had cut that out, I think this would have been a little bit stronger because then you wouldn't you wouldn't really know. Is it supernatural? What is going on? Or are they just all driven crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Which, if you're the one experiencing the thing, uh, whether you're crazy or experiencing the thing is indiscernible by the people around you, isn't it? And that's part of the horror. You know, it's like it's like in Candyman, that woman ends up in the asylum and there's Candyman right. floating along and he's there best we could tell as the viewers, but the other yeah. people in the asylum don't see him until they get thrown out the window or pulled out the window. So, you know, that's no, they don't get pulled out the window. He gets killed and then Candyman flies out the window. What am I talking about? Do you think it's harder for Americans to accept the supernatural than for the Japanese? Yes. Uh, I think it's kind of, it's sort of baked into our culture to first of all, assume that it's not a real thing, that it has no basis in reality. We're told from the beginning, unless we have very different parents, we're told that no, none of this stuff is real. It's all make-believe. Santa is real, <laughs> but all this other stuff is make-believe. So all the stuff you see in the scary movies or the cartoons don't be afraid. There's nothing under your bed. There's nothing in the closet. Don't be afraid. It's all make-believe. And in Japan, it's, if I'm not mistaken, there are... When it's couched as, a, when it's couched as an urban legend, I don't find there's much difference because, like, uh, uh, Blair Witch, people are really fast to believe that was real. Well, yeah, there, but then we had an emerging culture of there were more disappearances... Uh, they had come up with the idea of putting missing children's pictures on milk cartons. So you would see the posters, the milk cartons, all that stuff. So that was relatively recent in our culture in America. And I think that uh, people just more recently, this was, that was 99, right? So people had only in, in the recent eight or 10 years had gotten access to VCRs and rentals and all this stuff. So I kind of feel like it was new. It was dropped in their lap. 
That's why people who are new at computers fall for the scammers, right? I kind of feel like maybe that's it. Do you think uh, urban legends have uh, gained ground because uh, uh, because of the online world? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Because people can post like uh, dodgy videos of something blurry and it can go all around the world. And... Yeah. Yeah. I was, <clears throat> I was told that a, uh, that a, uh, a married in member of my family had posted something about, there was a picture of all these ballots that were like, uh, disposed of somewhere or something like in the that. River. Yeah. 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 And they were all voting for Trump and it's like, right. Right. Uh, first of all, bullshit. Uh, yeah. Did, did you see that there was actual footage of a reporter saying uh, to Trump, because Trump was repeating that story. Right. Uh, saying that all these, these ballots marked Trump were thrown in a river and a reporter pointed out that ballots don't have a name on. No. <laughs> can't tell who they're for that's the point about them you know right yeah 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 you have to you would have to tear open all the ballots and then you would know which ones were which but then you couldn't put the ones that you wanted to get elected back together to deliver them right could you exactly. no and this is <laughs> and it, it's i kind of want to i kind of want to jump back Money. back on facebook and say Hey everybody! I'm taking a break from my silence to say I'm I'm available to explain it to you like you're five, if you need me to. <laughs> but if you think about it for a minute, uh, you don't need me to explain it to you like you're five. But it's crap like that, honestly. Uh, before the uh, before the term fake news got hijacked by the moron. Uh, there was a thing that we could call fake news, which was occurring all the time. And I think people's yeah. willingness to believe stuff like that uh, makes them more susceptible to other phony things. Yeah. And uh, the urban legends, to circle back around to that and not get too political for too long, um, urban legends that, that you would hear from some supposed second, third-hand a uh, credible source that somebody's somebody somebody's knows and you know this chain of custody is lost i think that we've all experienced it we've all been told stuff or have heard of people being told stuff and they believed it uh yeah it's a thing for sure in in american culture but in japan isn't there just a a long tradition of these stories i mean going all the way back to hundreds of years ago oh yeah and and like the ring is based on an old ghost story called uh Sariashki, um about a ghost who who haunts a well yeah um yeah she's she's the ghost of a she was a servant girl and uh uh she had a mean well in one of the versions she has this mean mistress who makes her uh clean and count all the precious uh decorated plates and uh the mistress has actually broken one but she blames it on the servant girl and the servant girl throws herself down the well wow and then her ghost you can hear her ghost like appears by the well and she's counting the plates oh wow that's a good one 
So this goes back pretty far. Oh yeah. Cause we've all heard like the local version of either a hitchhiking ghost or mm-hmm. some hanging tree or the, some Hookman story. We, we've all heard like one of those stories pop up in a local area. Cause when I moved to Hawaii back in the nineties, I remember someone telling me about, Oh, don't go down the old new Wanupali road because there's this one bend around which if you stop, uh, then there was something about the story of the, the boyfriend uh, hanging from the tree. And when the girlfriend panicked and drove off, it hanged him. It's like, <laughs> sorry, kids, every town's got that hill or curve or country road where that thing happened. Yeah. It's so common and it's everywhere. And it, whether it's a hookman or the hanging tree or whatever. Yeah, the town I grew up in in England had a hitchhiker, you know, one of the most famous hitchhiker ghosts. Yeah, we, and then, uh, oh, really? yeah, we and talked then about the, that once. Yeah, the, the Blue Bell Hill uh, ghost. Yeah. Um, but then uh, when I lived in Japan, the first town I lived in had a hitchhiker story. It was, uh, yeah, she'd, uh, she was a woman who, th- who uh, committed suicide in the harbour and... Uh, and then from time to time, the taxis would pick up this woman and she'd disappear and just leave a pool in the back of the taxi. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I know we talked about that one because I brought up Resurrection Mary, which uh, was the famous hitchhiking ghost from my old neighborhood in uh, south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can actually get a... Apparently it's based on someone who really died, but I don't know that she showed up hitchhiking. Uh, but apparently they found who that would be from that year that she supposedly died. And yeah, yeah, what are you going to do? You're not going to prove it. You're not going to capture it on film, are you? (laughs) But these guys do capture some stuff on film. I do like some of those little creepy moments where something appears in the corner. Yeah. I watched this. uh, Emily was away for the weekend and, uh, uh, I just switched off all the lights and watched this. I thought, let's see if a horror movie can still scare me. You know, having been, you know, I've been working on this kind of stuff. And uh, can a horror movie still scare me? And, and, yep. Yeah. yeah. When that, when the camera pans over there, uh, that little scene where uh, uh, Marika, Marika uh, is freaking out. Oh, yeah, out where she's Tokyo. like a, and there's something, something in, the in the background. Yeah, oh. in the trees. That that's good. Yeah, yeah, that was a good creepy moment. If you don't see it at first, and then they slow it down, and you see it, and you're like, "Ooh, that's Ooh. what the little girl drew." That's horrifying. <laughs> I like how uh, also this film is peculiar because it's retroactively scary. You see something later on in the film, and you realize what you saw or heard. Yeah earlier in the film like they don't mention it at the time but but like they're filming at someone's apartment and you hear this like knocking sound as if it's from the apartment above yeah and you know it's just a knocking sound in the background later on you realize what it is and you think oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't think i've seen another movie where you like realize something that happened earlier was scary <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. probably probably good for films to consider planting things earlier in the movie. Yeah. And it, yeah. yeah, and it didn't... Uh, um, it didn't uh, lead you by the hand so much mm-hmm. and, and, and explain all these little clues for you. 
they would just say something like, you know, the pigeons, and then later you'd see dead pigeons, and yeah. you'd have to put that together yourself. I really right. liked that about this film. Yeah. And it's four pigeons, which is significant in Japan, because uh, uh, one of the ways of saying four is chi, which is also the word for death. Oh. So you won't, it's like 13 here, you won't get a fourth floor. Um, oh, wow. People, people also avoid 42 because in Japanese that can sound like uh, dying. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the, that's a that, that's a like a superstition. Like, doesn't Japan kind of have two sides of a coin on all of this? It's like a, a very practical country in a lot of ways, very um, regimented in a lot of ways. But, yeah. But then also yeah. there's superstition on the flip side of that and traditions based in magical thinking. Yes. That's cool, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's very human, but uh, yeah, it's a very stratified, you know, ordered, at least traditionally it was, uh, it might be breaking down now, but because um, there's no guarantees. And previously, uh, a post-war boom, uh, you know, it, it'd be very rigid. You decided what, what you could do, what you'd be for all your life. Um, but uh, now the we've had the economic bubble has burst, so you, there's no such thing as a guaranteed career. Right. Uh, for men or women. And uh, what also what they're finding now with uh, people being confined, um, uh, women are realizing that the men haven't been doing anything at home. Um, you know, they, the women are expected to work and do all the housework. Uh, and then their, their husband, who's stuck at home now, uh, is, is just doing nothing. Um, so there is, is really having to shake up how tasks are uh, handed out in Japanese families. That's interesting. So they're going through some fundamental changes. But, but yeah, it's, it's, traditionally it's a very stratified society. Uh, there's uh, uh, very rational ways of behaving. But at the same time, you have this uh, ancient culture of uh, uh, everything being uh, inhabited by a spirit. Um uh, the uh, you have to uh, respect your ancestors. Um, uh, you have to uh, take care of what you do in in this life because it's going to affect your past and future. Um, so yeah, you, you have these two sides. Wow! But uh, you know, two sides of uh, how they see the world. That is really interesting, though. Um, now th this. Uh so I think we kind of covered the, the most of the movie pretty well. It culminates in this sort of almost like chase scene. They, yeah. they go to get a boat parked above where they believe the site of the ritual should be. Yeah. Cause there's uh, this, there's this reservoir, which is the site of where the old village, where they held the demon ritual, demon appeasing ritual. That's on film transferred to video that we see. Yeah. Uh, that has been flooded to make, to make this, uh, dam this reservoir um so uh uh marika and uh, kobayashi go out into the middle of the lake in this boat where she performs a ritual and she's apparently uh cleansed of the demon uh but meanwhile on shore you've got hori and he's he's starts screaming because he knows things are not going right right 
So, uh, he rushes up into the mountains. Uh, he's calling out the name of the girl who disappeared earlier in the movie. And, uh, and Kobayashi goes chasing after him with his camera. And then uh, she's, being she's being driven away by the cameraman. Um, and then uh, she goes into a trance and she starts running away. And he goes chasing after her. So you get these two different bits of uh, handheld footage going on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, should warn people there's dead dogs in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And they, they handle the, the dogs being alive and then the dogs being dead pretty judiciously. I think they're just like, let's not be uh, gory about it to any great extent. They're a little bloody and you can see that, but we don't watch them get killed. We don't hear them dying. We just see, dogs to establish that there's dogs early in the movie earlier in the movie and then we see them dead so yeah that's why we don't see them when they come back through the village it's like right. the whole place is abandoned yeah if that's triggering to see a fake dead dog um okay i just saw the worst cg fake dead deer in one of those walking dead episodes so uh oh it's, it's not one of the those animatronic dead deer they have in the movies yeah i think it was from the golden age of, of animatronic dead deer the dead deer movies yeah, yeah. <laughs> which i think was uh 2018 to 2019 was the golden age of right that, right of that that was it. Yeah. um so we do get uh we do get sort of the satisfaction that okay hori has lost his damn mind He's obviously witnessing something really crazy going on. He ends up institutionalized. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's about time. He's, he's pretty, un <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty unhinged. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, he's not allowed visitors. Uh, Kobayashi does manage to kind of find out what's going on with him. It seems. Yeah, he but, breaks out and goes to his house. Well, yeah, right. that does happen. That's the second tape. Yeah. It's the second tape that turns up at the office. Yeah. And that is kind of where it all comes together once and for all. But we do get... Oh, Kobayashi witnesses the... Uh, earlier than that, Kobayashi witnesses the uh, the one girl has hanged herself in that... It was a barn, wasn't it? Some, some sort of... Yeah. Yeah, Junko hangs herself from the top of her house, didn't she? Oh, okay, it was like yeah. an attic. Okay, I was thinking it was like an outbuilding, yeah. but it was an attic. Okay. Um, and then there's the little boy there. So he adopts the little boy. Yeah. yeah. As, as you <laughs> yeah, do. Exactly. Yeah, you find a dead mom, you adopt the boy. That's, that's standard. Brings him home, feeds him an omelet. Everything's cool. Hori shows up out of his mind as usual, minus the foil. Now the Japanese uh, 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 hospital gowns don't have like the the fly open butt on them though. It ties more like a robe, kind of around the front. Right, right. So at least we didn't have to see his. We're, we're spared that. Yeah, we're spared the foil covered butt of Mister Hori. Uh, but he shows up at the house freaking out, and he's gonna he's gonna kill the boy. Uh, yeah, and he's he's holding a rock. Yeah, he's gonna kill the boy with a rock. And uh, that's at least interrupted long enough to where he changes his mind so he can leave with the boy. But we see the boy change into the, uh, uh, the Kuba, what is it? Uh, Kag Kag Kagutuba? Kagutaba. 
Kagutaba. I knew I was going to get that wrong. Um, we see him change into it for a moment, don't we? Yeah. And the ghost over in the corner. We also, we also see the ghost of the girl. Yeah, like blurry and in the corner. Yeah. And it's like, I did the first time around. I watched this twice. And I was, I was like watching the, you know, the glimpse you get of the demon. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't notice her. And then the second time I watched it, I went, whoa, what's that? Oh, God, it's a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson. <laughs> oh, three men and a baby, listeners. Look it up. <laughs> Ghost Boy or Cardboard Cutout. That's an urban legend for you. That's a great right. example. Why was everyone ready to believe that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was uh, Wizard of Oz, wasn't it? Similar, sort of. Yeah. yeah, they they did that too. It's like you could see one of the munchkins hang himself. And I doubt there's anything to that. In fact, I think all the munchkins were present and accounted for at the end of the movie. <laughs> I believe so. Yeah. So we uh, we see the, um, the end situation where Mr. Hori leaves with the little boy and uh, the wife douses herself with gasoline and lights herself on fire. Yeah. Holy wow. So she wasn't ready for motherhood? Is that what we're getting from that? <laughs> I think it was the eggs with ketchup on them. Yeah. yeah. Sick of making omelets. Yeah. Ugh. So that was pretty realistic, that, that uh fire that fire stunt. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, that was a good stunt. I'm always impressed by fire stunts. Yeah. That one worked. So what's our what's our follow up on that one? Was it just text or did we get another scene? Uh, then it just ends. It just says uh, it, uh, that tape ends, and, and you just get a, a bit of text saying uh, uh, Kobayashi has still not been found. Oh yeah, but they do show like the the um, the tabloid pictures of Hori found dead in a duct. Right, right. Oh you yeah. See that earlier? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, stuffed in a duct. <laughs> so weird like he, he was trying to get the foil effect around him yes so he claimed in a duct yeah so we're we're basically told kobayashi's missing the boy is missing uh we know hori's dead we know the wife is dead um make up your own ending right yeah but the camera was mailed from kobayashi maybe that's the name on it it says uh, it's kind of nice that it's open-ended isn't it yes it's like is he out in the world doing stuff is he a ghost is someone pranking we don't know it's a good ending yes yeah so i'm glad you picked this one this was this was a a good good yeah it was a good welcome back to the show for you (laughs) it was better than pumpkin But is it better than Pumpkinhead 2, the blah, blah, blah? Blood wings. Yeah, blood wings, that is right. Blood wings, yeah. <laughs> oh, Will, you got to tell, tell Jolien what I said when I called you. He said that, that we were watching Pumpkinhead 2. But yeah. I knew that was a lie because Pumpkinhead 2 is not available on Prime. <laughs> yeah, Jolien picked a movie. <laughs> it's Pumpkinhead 2. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, so whose turn is it next week? Is it yours, Will? I guess so. You got anything in mind? Uh, no, but I'll, I'll pick something. 
Yeah. You have a lot to watch for 31 for 31. Well, that's another, that's, that's another good thing to bring up since we're going into October and what's going to be our fifth anniversary as a show, isn't it? We're, we're all five years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, something that we kind of messaged about, uh, what would it be like in pandemic times to make the lists and the recommended viewing that we, that we do every year? You know, we at least do one show where we do some lists of recommended viewing or, or we give our, uh, 31 days of Halloween if we are following along with it. I intend because normally, normally we come up with movies that you can put on a Halloween party as they're fun to like glance at and have, have the music on. Yeah. Uh, but, but now I was was thinking movies that people watch by themselves or with, you know, whoever they're shut in with. Yeah. So, so the, the shut in recommended viewing or shut in essential viewing, it's probably a good, good list for us to make. Do you want to start it off? Like next week we could each do like five movies. And then uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about the topic, but we'll also bring our lists. Okay. You down for that, Will? Sure. Cool. All right. Is that uh, all good to go then? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Right. I think well, we, we all would recommend this film. Oh yeah, that's yeah. That kind of seemed like it goes without saying the way we were talking about it, but yeah, definitely recommended. Yeah, Noroi. N O R O I. Yeah, and if you got this yeah. far, you know how it ends, but watch it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's scary the second time around. Kind of like... You know, you know what things mean when yeah. you start yeah. working. <laughs> it works. Yeah, like the original The Eye freaked me out <laughs> the first time and the second time. <laughs> even, even if you know what's coming up next. Cool, all right, well, let's get out of here and call it a show. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Yeah, for more. <laughs>